0: Let's pray. We'll look at Daniel 2, and we'll jump right in. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for the sun, for breath, for life, and thank you for giving wisdom to all of us here who lack it at times. We want to know what you're thinking so we could be about what you're doing. We want to know what you're saying to us and to the people around us so that we could partner with you, Jesus, so that others will experience your love, your life-changing power, your presence in their world, and Lord, we thank you that you care enough about us to speak to us this morning, and you care about the world to speak through us this week. So use us, Holy Spirit, as we hear the word of God, to be active and obedient to what you say, and in Jesus' name we pray, Uh, amen. Amen. So we are looking at a a book called Daniel. It's not denial, okay? It's Daniel. (laughs) So you're like, I don't know what that means. Uh, Daniel, uh, faithful in a broken world. The world is broken, we know that. But how do we live out our faith in Jesus in this real world? What does following Jesus have to do with Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday? And where does God want to meet us? That's why we're looking at Daniel, because everything that happens in his life is outside of quote-unquote church. He doesn't have just a Sunday faith, so to speak. He has an everyday faith. And what, what can we learn from him a living Jesus out in everyday life? Well, we looked at chapter one. Remember, please, every week that you're coming or if you miss it, just read ahead. Read the chapter. So next week, read chapter three before you show up. It will help so that the narrative is just in your mind. You're, you're, you know what's coming and you're thinking about it. Well, chapter one from last week, if you missed it, was about control when When things seem out of control, God is in control. The book starts with a tragedy. God gives Jehoiakim, the king over God's people, into the hand of the enemy. The enemy wins, seemingly. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon win. Well, not really. Why? God is in control. God moves Daniel and his friends into the leadership pipeline of this evil king because God is about to do something. So we remember that even though my world seems out of control, it actually is never out of control. God loves his universe and his people, and he's leading in ways that we don't even see yet. So even though my circumstances seem off, I could still say God did this. Not that he's the author of evil. No way. But he's even going to use negative circumstances for my good and for the good of the whole world. So so I can lean in on God, but it's not just a book about God. Remember from Daniel chapter 1, Daniel has a response. In light of the evil in his world, he responds in certain ways. And we have to learn the same thing. There are certain things we're going to have to say yes to and certain things we're going to have to say no to. Our choices really matter. Daniel is key to this story because God's at work, but Daniel is responding in the right way. And so this is faith. This is the tension. God is really leading his universe and he's really looking for our response. Those aren't exclusive. It's not God or me. It's yes, God is leading. And yes, my choices really matter. That's the beauty of faith in the real world? Well, let's look at Daniel 2. We'll read a lot of it. Let's just start in verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream. That troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. In other words, puff up your boss. Tell your servants the dream we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you don't tell me what the dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut to pieces and your house is turned into piles of rubble. Pause, you think you had a bad boss, right? They're just showing up for work and now The king says, I'm going to take you out. But if you tell me the dream and you explain it, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards, great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they reply that the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain you're trying to gain time because you realize this is what I firmly decided. If you don't tell me the dream, there's only one penalty for you. You've conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologist answered the king, there's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. In other words... Buddy, this is your problem. Like, you're being unreasonable. But what the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except, notice this, the gods. And they don't live among the humans. This made the king so angry and furious, he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So basically, he's going to take everybody out. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. This, this chapter is about the worst work day ever. Like the worst day at school, the worst day of your life. This is, like, this is like the worst situation possible. Actually, no. This chapter is all about vision. I want us to think about vision. We're going to come back to it again and again and again. Uh, in other words, God has a vision. It starts with this thing that God's about to do. We haven't gotten to it yet. But God is going to let Nebuchadnezzar know what he is going to do in the future. You see, God's just not making it up as it goes along. God knows what he's doing. God is the author of time, he's not bound by it. In the beginning, God created, and then you can just throw in everything. So the very concept of morning and day, a year, 2019. These are things that we're in, but God is not bound by. He's bigger than. He's outside of. He steps into, but he's not stuck. God is overall. And so God knows the beginning and the end, and he knows the future, and he knows the past, and he knows the present. And so God has a vision for the world. And this will actually help you navigate those tough days. You could lean in on friends, but friends will fail you. You can lean in on family, family will fail you. You could lean in on the church, and the church, as good as it is, will fail you. You can lean in on God. You can lean in on God. God never fails. And so Daniel is stuck because God has a vision, and Daniel doesn't know what it is. Here's the weird part, Nebuchadnezzar has a vision. This is really weird. Who does God speak to? Well, if I do this and do this and don't do that, and maybe over time God will speak to me. This is weird. God doesn't speak to Daniel first. Who does God speak to? Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Who's God talking to? The evil guy. The guy who was willing to kill everyone in his administration because they can't tell him what he dreamt. Unrealistic expectations heightened, right? But let's not forget, and this is going to really ruffle feathers, God is speaking to all sorts of people right now. And you don't even have to be his follower for him to speak to you. It's not like, God, oh, I want to talk to Nebuchadnezzar, but he's not a nice guy. I'm I'm in trouble. No, God speaks. Now, it is funny. When does God get Nebuchadnezzar's attention? (laughs) When he's asleep. So full of himself, so full of his world, so full of all, all that's going on in his kingdom. Babylon's the big major world power. But God knows how to get your attention. So he gives him this dream that really messes with him. Ever have one of those things like, man, I hope that's not real. You know, well, God has a way of getting, and so much so Nebuchadnezzar realizes this isn't just, you know, I had hummus for dinner and it upset my stomach and I'm dreaming about falafel. I don't know, like, this is not one of the, this is like, okay, something's going on and I need help. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. That means that God's speaking to your neighbors right now. That means God's speaking to the boss you don't like. That means God's speaking to the teacher that gives too much homework. That means God's speaking to the annoying neighbor. That means God is speaking with people. Here's what we need to remember. God is in control even when the world seems out of control. And this God is talking to all sorts of people which is going to help us become like Daniel, obedient to be faithful with what God is doing in God's world. I think sometimes we underestimate where people are at in relationship with God by what we see. By all accounts, Nebuchadnezzar's not a good guy. Yet God is getting his attention. He's always at work, always speaking. Now, in this case, he's about to kill all of his advisors. So, in the end, Daniel is going to have a vision. So God has a vision for the world and he gives part of that vision to Nebuchadnezzar. But notice, it's incomplete. He needs help. He can't interpret it. He can't make sense of it. And so Daniel's gonna have a vision. This is gonna help us figure out. You say, well, I'm not like Daniel and I don't dream dreams and I can't interpret things. Hold on, I want you to see what Daniel does that can help you and me navigate faith in the real world. Uh, Verse 14, when Arioch the commander, of the king's guard had gone out to put to death the wise man of Babylon Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact he asked the king's officer why did the king issue such a harsh decree Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel at this Daniel went into the king and asked what you would ask for time so that he might interpret the dream for him then Daniel returned to his house explained the matter to his friends Hananiah Mishael Azariah Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same names. Uh, He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. At this point, Daniel's thinking like, we gotta pray that we don't get killed too. We had nothing to do with this. They're confused. They go to God. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. See, Daniel had a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, this is like a song. It's, in most of your Bibles, it's even put in verse as it would be a song or a poem. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes the times and seasons. He deposes kings, raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge of the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. I want us to capture what's happening so far. God has a vision for the world. He gives part of the vision to Nebuchadnezzar, and now he gives the meaning of the vision to Daniel. Notice the progression. When not knowing what to do, Daniel goes right to the source. As a God follower, for us, I'm going to use the word Jesus, as Jesus people, because Daniel's living 600 years before Jesus. We're living 2,000 years after Jesus. For those of us, when we don't know what to do with our situation, Daniel's not afraid, like you shouldn't be afraid, to go straight to the source. Don't skirt around the issue. Don't backbite. Don't talk in, in a closed-door meeting about what's going on. Daniel is wise enough. He knows his God. He goes straight to the source to find out okay, why this harsh thing? Give me some time. But then, Daniel, now that he's heard from the horse's mouth, so to speak, from the king himself, now he knows what really to pray for. He assesses it and he goes back to his house and finds his friends. Daniel goes to his friends. And I wonder what that says about you and me following Jesus today. I think it says a lot about the nature of being a Jesus follower, a disciple to Jesus. How many disciples did Jesus have? How many close disciples that he ended up calling apostles? And the answer is 12. He had 12. And when Jesus goes to the mount and he's transfigured, his glory is seen. They like Jesus for who he fully is, fully God and fully man. How many are there? There are three when Jesus is going on a uh, mission and he's sending out people, he goes, sends them out to town by town. How many does he send? How many out at a time? Two by two. He sends the 70 out. Two by two. In other words, Jesus is always sending people out together. And I think this is beautiful. And it says something about faith. While your faith is personal, it's never private. You don't get that privilege. Privilege. Well, you know, for faith, faith, don't talk to me about faith. That's this, it's between me and God, baloney. It's never between you and God. He's the God of the universe. And it's always about what he's doing in your life and what he's doing in my life. We need each other. Here's the tip. Daniel had some people he had relationship with. He happened to work with them that he could run to and say, man, I don't know what to do. And by the way, we're all in trouble. We're all going down. Guys, we need to go to God. So he goes to the king, he goes to his friends, and then Daniel goes to God. They pray, and God speaks, and Daniel and the group, they write like a poem, a song. They're just enamored that God gave them exactly what they needed. And I think this is following Jesus in the real world. There are times where you're stuck because of a relationship conflict, because of an issue, because of a what if. What we can do is we can go to the source, go straight to the king and then we can go to our friends and we can pray about it it's why we're so emphatic about if this is your church that you're connected with some other people we have 35 26 west communities formally i know there's some other groups meeting as well we get together but here's what we should do when we get together dinner is great what's going on in your world great blazers game Uh, maybe great maybe not i don't know whatever it is but maybe we should bring the things that are going on in our world and go to God together. That's the point. The point of getting together is when we're together in Jesus' name and we ask for real things about our job, about relationships, because mind you, the king is out to kill him now. You think you have issues. His life is literally on the line, but he goes to his brothers and say, brothers, let's go to God. And then what we're going to see is not only does Daniel hear from God, but he goes back to the king and leads the king to God. Look at verse 24. Jump down to verse 24. Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, don't execute the wise men of Babylon. Don't kill me. Take me to the king. I will interpret his dream for him. And Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. And the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, remember, the king gave him a new name, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? I need you to underline this. This is the secret. Daniel replied, no, can't do that. No wise man. Enchanter, magician, diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he's asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You see, he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what's going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because I have great wisdom, greater than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. This is subtle but important this point Daniel could get a massive upgrade you know like if you have the secret that no one else has he could position himself you know he's got Daniel's got that office the office overlooking that space like man I want that office I want that office and he can go to the king and say well no one else can tell you what you dream I can and no one else can tell you what it means but and he gets a little piece of paper and says here's my number Here's my magic number. I want a salary increase. I want, here's the position I want. No, he doesn't do that. The beauty of following Jesus in our real world that is broken, beautiful, but broken is that as God begins to work in our lives, we can humbly say, look, I don't have what it takes, but I know Jesus. And that may sound like, Jose, you sound like such a corny preacher. You gotta be kidding me. What I'm saying is Daniel can speak the language of the king, the revealer of mysteries. He's able to weave in normal language what Jesus had been telling him at home. And you and I underestimate the fact that God has a vision. We underestimate the fact that God is doing things in his world. We underestimate the fact that God's speaking to other people who don't follow Jesus. And we need to remember that at any point, at any time, God could drop in as we call on him and speak to us about someone else's situation. Do you know someone else could be having a hellish time who's within your sphere of influence. You could be working with them and their family could be falling apart. And do you know God could give you wisdom... To speak to their marriage or their friendship or their whatever. And it could be from God to bring life to them. And then again, you and I ought to think like Daniel. What Daniel says is like, look, I'm not smarter than anyone else. And my marriage or my family whatever isn't better than anyone else. But you know what? Our family has committed ourselves to follow Jesus. And Jesus has changed the way I think about people. And if you will listen to what Jesus has to say about your life and your relationships, you know what? You're set up to thrive. Notice the secret is Daniel said, no wise man, enchanter, musician, diviner can explain to the king the mystery. Now this guy's got guts because you know who he's talking to? The king. And in their day, It was pretty much assumed if you were the king that you had God's power in your life, God's influence in some cases to the point where you became sort of divine or one of the little gods in the pantheon of gods. The king was like connected to the forces of the universe. But Daniel says there's only one who can give the answer because there's only one who made it all. And he points to his God. We need to remember that Daniel turns the conversation to a good news presentation. He takes it off the issue and he tells them about the God who's got good news. You say, like, good news? Yeah, he's got good news. God has told you what's to come. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the leader. Don't you want to know what the future holds? Well, yeah, why are you going to all these guys? None of these guys that you appointed, by the way, that you're feeding and that you're payrolling, none of them can help you out. Why don't you go? I'm paraphrasing. Why don't you go to God? God's already revealed to you what's to come. He turns the conversation from the ordinary problem, a dream, to this extraordinary God that he knows. And I wonder if we could do the same thing. I wonder if God wants to use us to take normal conversations at work, school, at home, wherever, and turn them. You see, Daniel is open because Daniel is seeking God. We're gonna see in a few weeks. The secret's no secret to Daniel's vitality. He prays three times a day. He's faithful to read God's word. He knows, he knows the God of his ancestors is the way he puts it here. He knows his God. And when you know your God, He's not perfect. Daniel's not perfect. But when you know you're God, it makes a difference in the way that you show up at work. And so what I'm suggesting to all of us is that God wants to grow us in following him in this very broken world and show us how to live faithful. And faithful, mind you, all of this shows up. This is all office stuff. This isn't church stuff. And God shows up in everyday stuff. At least that's what he wants to. Now, there is the whole vision here. And then Daniel, in chapter 2, gives the interpretation of the vision. And I'm, I'm going to skip that, and here's why. I want to make a, a more broad point this morning. We're going to come back. How do you understand dreams in the Bible and visions and prophecy? This is hugely important, and it's the key to understanding Daniel. And the reason we're doing Daniel first is because by the time we get to look at the revelation of John That book at the end of the Bible we all avoid. When we look at Revelation, understanding how prophecy and imagery works will help us because guess what? John the Apostle has Daniel in mind when he writes this Revelation. And the readers reading it already read Daniel so they know how to understand imagery because God had already spoken that way before. But we're not going to do that this week because there's a more pressing point, but there's so much prophecy in here. We'll come back to it and spend a couple of weeks on dreams and visions and prophecy. I want us to think, though, this morning I said about vision. God has a vision. Nebuchadnezzar has a vision. And Daniel has a vision. And let me throw this out there. You have a vision. You have a vision. Write this down. Vision will drive your expectations. Vision's going to drive your expectations. Your belief is going to drive your behavior. That's another way of putting it. Your vision of yourself will drive what you expect. So let's just play a scenario. If you think God only speaks to certain people, and you can use the qualifier, whether it's educated people, you know, Bible scholar people, um, church leadership, whatever it is you say, it, the moment you say, God speaks to them. That's your vision of yourself, and that's going to lead to your expectation. You're not going to be looking for God to speak to you or through you. But the moment I get a grip that the same Holy Spirit that is somehow speaking to Daniel is the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus, the Son of God, that's the same Holy Spirit that now lives in you. That's like a game changer. You can and should hear from God about ordinary scenarios. Don't give me a little trip. Say, I've never heard from God. Well, you may not see it. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had this thing. He didn't know what it meant. But God could give you wisdom that you read in the Bible and said, yeah, I'm going to live into that. I know I should do that. and My brother says do that. and My boss says do that. But I'm going to do what God says. Guess what? That's hearing from God. It may not be like in a dream while you are sleeping after prayer, God speak to me, but it's no less impactful when you press in to what you know about God and choose to go God's way. God is speaking to you. Your vision is going to drive your expectation. And so the moment we wake up and believe that God is about every ordinary day life, Every ordinary ordinary relationships that God is meeting us at coffee shops and that God is meeting us at the gym, if you ever go, and that God is meeting us in the neighborhood and God's at work. He said, no, man, I'm telling you, man, you haven't been to my job. God's not there. God is right there. If God is where Nebuchadnezzar is, who's about to murder his own employees, you tell me God can't show up in your situation? God is working and Daniel is listening. That is the key. So, Jesus is already speaking to people right now. And that's your vision will drive your expectations. When I believe that Jesus is already there before I show up, it changes everything. The moment I think the burden's on me, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. But the moment I realize God has a vision for the world and it said everyone would follow Jesus. You want to know what God's vision for the world is that everyone would follow Jesus? That's God's vision for this world. He's not wishing that any would perish. He loves everybody. And he's after them. And in the middle of his speaking, in vague ways, because they don't get it to him, otherwise they would worship him, here you show up. In that job, in that place, in that space. And so what I'm saying is, we can grow up in our faith to realize it's for all of life, not just spiritual stuff. Because God is working where Daniel works. That's the cool part. That's why I love this book. What if we were to grow in that kind of expectation? What if we learned and encouraged each other to look for open doors? What if we were thoughtful? What if we were prayerful? What if we brought these everyday situations to God? Not as a God, get me out, but as a God, what do you have to say? What do you have to say about the chaos in my set of cubicles? Which if you work in a cubicle, I already say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I, I did have a job that was in a cubicle, and I thought I was going to die. Like I, if, if, if you could pull it off, I say anyone who could pull it off 20, 30 years in a cubicle is a saint or doesn't know what a window looks like. It's just, it's, anyway, I digress. Verse 46 and verse 47. Then the king, look at, look at what happens at the end. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, after hearing the interpretation of the vision of the dream, he fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. <laughs> this is so, look at look how God flips this. The king is the one who's worshiped. People fall before the king. The king falls before Daniel. It says, the, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. That's exactly what Daniel said he was a few verses earlier. He described him as the revealer of mysteries. Your God is, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Now, what difference does this kind of like ebb and flow and life make uh, in, in Daniel's life and in our life? I want us to think about something the presence of God. What chapter two is really all about is the presence of God. The presence of God when Nebuchadnezzar is alone. God is there with them. The presence of God when Daniel and his friends pray. The presence of God. What makes the difference is not human wisdom. It's not human lear- learning. It's not ingenuity. It's the presence of God. What if we were to gr- grow in our awareness of the presence of God? You may be like, oh, I didn't know that's what faith was all about. I want to suggest That is is the key to being useful in everyday life is realizing that God is with me wherever I go and that God's presence is working wherever I go. And as a disciple, as an apprentice, as a learner, I want to grow in hearing what God is saying about this situation so I can step in in partnership with this Jesus that I know and bring up what Jesus is is saying, I'm not saying you use that kind of language, you'll probably get fired or laughed at, but you can subtly, do you notice how Daniel does it with such wisdom? Oh, great king, great and glorious king, give me, a, give me some time. Oh, yeah, I can't reveal this, but the God who reveals mysteries has made it known to you. You can, you can speak on behalf of Jesus in, in obvious ways, that have to deal with people's lives. And it's the presence of God that makes it happen. Now, that's the challenge. How, how do we grow in the presence of God? That's a great question. It's a word you're not gonna like, but you need to hear it. Time. Time. How do you grow in any relationship? You ever be so ever been so close to a friend where you, let's just say you went to school when you're a kid, right? And college or elementary school, whatever. You were with them, maybe roommates with them, super close. And then you were gone from them for four or five years and you literally pick up where you left off. Or a family friend from years ago, they moved away, you moved away. You bump into them and suddenly it's like, oh my gosh. Because you had that time, you can blow past the, what you have for lunch and talk about real life. And I think it's the same thing with faith. If we invest time in the presence of God, time with God over time cultivates a heart where you realize in subtle ways God's at work here. And at first we need the big one, the big clobbers like dream, vision, you know? God has to knock on us and disturb us. But I think like any relationship, when we grow in Knowing God because we're spending time with him, we say, well, how do I do that? It could be as early as doing what Daniel did. A few times a day, Daniel pauses to spend time with God. You think he didn't have a busy job? He worked for the king. If he could carve out time to stop and listen to God and pray, I'm sure read whatever part of the Bible he had in his hands, He probably memorized good portions of it. Look at what happens when we live in the presence of God. Look at verse 48. Just drop down. We're almost done. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished him with many gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men, no surprise. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, these are Daniel's friends. Administrators over the province of Babylon while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So Daniel stays close to the king and his friends end up leading. Doors open for Daniel that become pathways for all of them. This is huge. Doors open for Daniel that become pathways for every single One of them. So when you and I live in the presence of God, when you and I grow in the presence of God, it's not just about Nebuchadnezzar, yet God cares about him. It's actually Daniel's intentional seeking God together with his friends. They had no idea what God was setting them up for. He was going to elevate them in the king's court and all of these godly young men are going to be key leaders in this empire. Hear me. That's terrible. So it's possible to be raised up in an organization that's horrible and God use you. It could honor God that you work all of your days in a school that doesn't honor Jesus, but as an administrator or a teacher or whatever, you're faithful to love Jesus and love everyone that comes your way and to be a witness and to talk about the goodness of God and to share what God's doing in your world and that school never become more quote-unquote Christian. We want to convert the world and make the society look and live like Jesus and we get discouraged when it doesn't. And hear me, we learn from Daniel, we don't have to wait for the world to change. God will use you in places that matter. And when you live faithful, you will see God at work in your world. Your vision is gonna drive your expectations. If you need a completely Christian environment to live like a Christian, you're in trouble. If you need a godly neighborhood to live like God, you're already in trouble. If you need everyone to follow God before you do, you're in trouble. But we learn from Daniel, faithfulness, faithful, not perfect, but faithful obedience to God and he elevates you at the right time. Your obedience matters. Remember, God has a vision. Nebuchadnezzar has a vision, but so does Daniel. And Daniel is obedient to the vision God gives him and it makes a difference. I was in a... I was in San Diego this week. I left after last Sunday's gathering and spent Monday with the church planting team. You, through your generosity, a couple years ago, helped to plant a church called Park Hill in San Diego. And it's thriving. It's so fun. They're 18 months into the game. When they went there, it was Evan and Sandy Wickham. Um, He's a well-known worship leader. He's from San Diego. So people know him. They know his family. They know their faithfulness. So there's some natural things going for them. But I remember going down there when it first planted, and then there was a few hundred people or so, and they planted in a particular neighborhood that is a crossroads, super eclectic, heavily poor. When we went into the gathering space, homeless people all outside, living on the street, literally right outside the building, in a real meeting place, wealthy right around it, but that spot was just in a transition, and they loved it. That's where they felt called to plant. Well, they go there. They launched there on Christmas of last year, I'm sorry, Christmas of 2017. And then the building needs renovations, they're renting. And so uh, the owner of the building is like, we're gonna have to shut this down. Major, millions of dollars of renovation are needed. And as soon as you break open a wall, if you ever watch HDTV, all hell break loose. Well, they start opening walls. The wall, they go, oh no, up to code, up to code. So they can't meet there for what they think is a few months. Now it's like, you can't meet there for a year. It's kind of hard to meet once a year as a church. (laughs) So they pray, they go to God, and they find this other temporary venue, crosstown, in Point Loma, totally different kind of neighborhood, upscale, and they start meeting. Here's the funny thing. God starts massively blessing They're right by a Christian university and Evan was telling me sometimes two to three hundred university students will come on a Sunday morning. They went from a couple hundred people to probably on average seven to eight hundred people coming and hearing the word of God. College students just sitting on the floor soaking it all in. God's at work. See they could have had a different kind of vision of like God why are you closing this door but rather they called on God and God, what are you doing in your city, in your church? And so they're there. It's amazing. And, but now we were having this meeting because like, the renovations are almost done. Do we leave Point Loma and go back to the place where we felt like we were called to plant, where these college students are not going to come across town? Most of them don't even have a ride. Or do we recognize God did it? And thrive where you're planted. So cool. See, this is faith in the real world. This is how church planting works. This is how parenting works. This is how business management works. We listen to God and we respond. Well, a couple of people in the church, Jake, I've known Jake was up here. Jake was at Bridgetown. He was at Westside when it first started. And then when the church in Raleigh uh, was planted, Jake moved to Raleigh, young single guy in his 20s to go serve that church and plant it. He came back and then he heard about Evan planting in San Diego and he had a sense, you know what? He loved going to plant in North Carolina. I can do something. I don't have any attachments. Let me see, Portland in the winter, San Diego. God, what are you saying? Yeah, 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 God's definitely saying San Diego. So he, he goes down to San Diego, he moves there, gets a job at a coffee shop. That's what he's done. And so gets a job so he can serve. Well. At the same time, another guy, Scott, who I never met before, he's one of their leaders. How'd you end up in San Diego? He was an intern at another very well-known church in kind of central California, thinking about, God, what do you want to do for my life? Someone sent him a link to a video post that Evan had posted about the church. He saw the video, thought, that's it. Resigns after the end of the internship, moves down to San Diego without a job, young, single, He could do this, right? So he's able, he moves down, and then he meets Jake. And Jake says, hey, if you're looking for a job, uh, the coffee shop's probably hiring, it's growing. And so, okay, so eventually, Scott applies for a job at this coffee shop. At the same time, Jake is made a manager and sits in on his interview. Try to be neutral in that scenario. (laughs) No, no, this is beautiful. God elevated Jake to be in a position of authority To know know Scott, know the company, know the vision, and bring him in. By the way, they both end up becoming roommates. You wanna make the story even better the coffee shop is not where they originally planted the church. The coffee shop is a walking distance from where the church is meeting now. There are hundreds of young people, it's a hip part of town hundreds week in and week out that are coming in and out of the coffee shop meeting Scott and Jake who can point to their church that meets in the building, just a couple of buildings over and see them on Sunday in worship and see them in the marketplace. And the beautiful thing is I believe in fate where anything that's gonna happen just happens. Are you kidding me? God is at work. God is at work. And what I love about Evan and the church planting team is they don't see God as rigid. They see God as moving them step by step. So they move to San Diego to go here, but God says, no, 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 I got a spot for you here. And Jake goes to North Carolina, but he's not thinking, well, I'm gonna live and die in North Carolina. No, come back. He comes back to Portland. No, go to San Diego. And Scott, who's just learning from this great church where if I were him, I would have stayed there, says, no, no. God, you're moving, and, and all the way through, his kids are hearing some people say, "That's hearing from God. Yes, that's hearing from God. Now these two guys, young guys, are living for Jesus, and that's Daniel and everyone else, living out the faith in the real world. What does that mean for us? It means that God has a vision. Let's bring it, back. God has a vision. For your everyday life, God is a vision for my everyday life. And the way I grow in understanding God's vision is time. Time spent listening, time spent seeking. Not just myself, that's a good discipline. Daniel is alone. Later on, he's going to be caught alone praying. But Daniel's also with his friends praying. We do this together. Well, I was um, flying back on Tuesday. Uh, from San Diego and I wrote this message on Tuesday on the plane flying up here and talk about like list <laughs> trying to listen to God so I'm I'm listening to worship in the background um and it's elevation a church out in North Carolina and they have a worship album multiple but I'm listening to it and I get caught on this one song called here again and I just put it on loop this is early on I'm early into the flight I'm like, you know, will you meet me here again? It's a good song. Okay. So I'm looping that. I'm typing. And realize, like, sometimes it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Jose, like, this is how you should end this message. This would be helpful. I'm trying to let you know. I'm working through this song. So here's what we're going to do. We want to create spaces that are natural pathways for us to listen to God. Because some you say, like, Jose, you say that, but I, 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 that, I don't get that sometimes what we can do is we can listen to Christian worship song and make those words prayers which basically is like reading the psalms we read the psalms and then we make it our own prayer and then we listen to see God what are you asking me to do as a result God what are you saying about yourself God what are you saying about my enemies God what are you saying about my life and we we chase down the rabbit trail It's not ethereal and it's not voices necessarily. It's hearing as God feeds our mind what he wants us to do. So I want us to make this song a template for us to to pray and encounter God. I'm gonna read the lyrics out because the verses I think speak to Daniel. Let's throw up the first uh, verse. Can't go back to the beginning, can't control what tomorrow will bring. (laughs) Isn't that Daniel's story? He wants to be home in Israel He's stuck in Babylon. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. He's in a very tough job, but he recognizes, God, you're here with me. So then the the chorus, and I'm gonna ask you to sing the chorus. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is where you are. Will you meet me here again? Again, Daniel recognizes he can't interpret dreams. He can't give people's dreams. Uh, But God, I'm asking you to meet, not just for my own benefit, but for the good of the people I'm called to serve. Next verse, of course. As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. Daniel's about to get killed. He's like, God, will you give me a way out? Like the sun shaping the shadows in my weakness, your glory appears. At the end of the day, Daniel Daniel hears from God in a vision exactly what he needs to know and pass on to the king. His hope is in God. And then the chorus again, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? So what we're going to do is the band, this may be a new song to you. It's been out for a while. But I would encourage you just listen to the verses then. Read the words. Resonate with them. And then when the chorus comes out, make the chorus your prayer. God, God, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here? I need you. It's a cry of our heart. Why not you stand on your feet if you would? And I'm gonna invite you to sing along. This is the beginning of our engaging of worship. And as you're singing this song of the others, if you're like, you know what? I think in this moment, God is doing something. We have a prayer room that's just over to your right. There's a sign over there in that right door. You go across the hall to our office. There's some men and women who are ordinary, normal people in this church that are there. They've been praying for you already. And it may be that God's saying, there's some stuff I want to communicate and I want you to link arms with someone and pray it through. If not, continue to pray as you're here and let's encounter Jesus together. Lord, we confess that we don't have what it takes but we know you we don't know what to do but we know you we don't know where to go but we know you we don't know what the future holds but we know you so lord we respond in worship to you like daniel sings out with his friends the song of this faithful god we now sing songs of you our faithful high priest lord jesus You've made a way where there is no way. You've brought forgiveness of sin where we needed it. You are raised to life and said, because I live, you will live also. You've done this, Jesus. So now we look to you. Meet us here right now, God. Speak to your children, we pray, as we sing these songs as a prayer and worship to your name.